0: all right last thing I am so super excited for you guys today we are so honored to have Trent and Epic Church's friends great friend here to help us kick off our new series called clarity so please give us a let's give him a warm loving epic welcome as we bring up Brian Baker hey give it up for Monique didn't she do a good job all right good job good job How's everybody in the middle service today? Good. Come on, y'all do better than that. If you're good, say uh huh. All right, that's what I like to hear, okay? Uh, my name is Brian, and I'm super excited to be here today. And uh, I just want to say thanks to Epic and, and for Epic Church and, and Trent and Tim and the whole team that makes Sunday Morning happen, just for the privilege to, um, uh, to be here, okay? I get the privilege and the opportunity to kick off a brand new sermon series uh, called Clarity. And uh, what we're going to do in this particular sermon series is we're going to unpack uh, a little letter in the New Testament part of our Bibles uh, called the Book of Colossians. Colossians. And um, so if you have a copy of the Bible, I'd encourage you to find the book of Colossians. If you have a smartphone or a tablet, you can click on Colossians. If you don't have any of that stuff, that's okay. We're going to throw some stuff on the screen. You can follow along that way. But feel free, if you don't have a copy of the Bible and you'd like to have one, there's some at the back of every single section. Uh, You're welcome to take one of those. That is our gift from Epic to you. And if you need a copy of God's Word or would like to have a copy of God's Word, uh, those are free to you um, today, all right? But I get the privilege to kick off a brand new sermon series today called Clarity, and what we're going to do in this series is we're going to unpack this little book in the New Testament called the book of of Colossians, and the reason that we need to understand what the Bible says in the book of Colossians is because this little letter that was written by a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul is going to help us to gain great clarity uh, when we're confused about some things in our life. So before we get going today, just so I kind of know who I'm talking to, in the early service was very uh, engaging, and, and, and uh, it really helped me understand kind of where we're all at. And I want to ask you guys to do the same thing. How many of you would say, Pastor Brian, there is something in my life today where I need some clarity about? Can I just see your hand today, all right? Can I, okay, so a lot, of room, a lot of hands in the room today, all right, uh, just like there was in the early service. So that means that we're all going to learn something today. And my prayer is that as we unpack this book of, uh, of Colossians over the next four weeks that you will begin to gain the clarity that you need for whatever area of life that it is that you need clarity. Maybe it's a relational issue. Uh, Maybe you're just trying to figure out, you know what, should I uh, date this person or should I date this person? Uh, Maybe it's a vocational issue. Maybe there's a job opportunity that you have that's on the horizon. You're trying to figure out if you uh, should leave uh, where you're working now, maybe take a new um, opportunity. Uh, maybe it's uh, uh, in, a, in a relationship with a neighbor and maybe there's just a strife or a conflict there. You're not sure how to handle that relationship and you just need some clari- uh, clarity in that. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe you're trying to figure out you know, where you should uh, uh, invest money or how much you should save or, or, or whatever it might be. Maybe you've got to buy this home or that home and there's just something that you're trying to figure out and get some clarity on. Well, the good news is uh, the Bible tells us that God wants us to have clarity in our life. And we'll talk more about that as we go uh, throughout the day today. But um, one of the things in my life where I'm, I'm seeking some clarity in my life personally is uh, my wife Karen, who will be here in the 11:30 service. Um, we just celebrated our 28th anniversary last uh, November, and uh, woohoo, yeah, I' married up big time, I promise you, okay? Um, but we're empty nesters now. We have two boys. Our oldest son, Steven, is 27. Our youngest son, Bradley, is 23. He just graduated from Florida State University last year. So we're trying to navigate and figure out that whole empty and empty nest syndrome. Any empty nesters in the house today? All right, if you've got that figured out, I'd like to talk to you before we leave because that's an area of my life where where I need some clarity in trying to figure out how to navigate uh, life without kids being in the house. But Bradley, our youngest son, Came home a few weeks ago for Easter and uh, he surprised his dad with an early Father's Day gift. And we were getting in the car to go somewhere and uh, he actually lives in the Charlotte, North Carolina area. So he came home uh, for a few days at Easter and he wasn't sure if he was gonna be able to come back around Father's Day. And we were getting in the car to go somewhere and I was putting on my 10-year-old, worn out, scratched up uh, uh, pair of Oakley glasses that I've had forever. And he said, dad, when are you gonna get rid of those old worn out glasses? I said, son, they're all I got, you know, just gonna go with what I got. He said, well, how about today? And he pulled them off my eye And he handed me this brand new pair of Costa sunglasses. Pretty cool gift, isn't it? All right. And uh, he he gave me this this brand new pair of Costa sunglasses. And when I put my new glasses on, immediately I could tell an amazing difference from like glasses I'd never had before. Uh, anybody ever had any glasses with polarized lenses? all right? Uh, this is my first, all right? These Costa glasses, uh, as I was doing a little bit of research, and when I put them on, the the clarity that I saw for the very first time, because I had never experienced polarized lenses before, caused me to be curious about why these lenses were so different than any others that I had ever had before. So I went on Costa's website, and I did a little bit of research, and what I found out about my new Costa sunglasses, that they have what are called 580G lenses, and that's what I said. What does that mean, all right? Uh, What does 580G lenses mean? And basically what 580G lenses mean, that that these lenses specialize in absorbing uh, high-energy light that is harmful to my eyes, and these lenses actually protect me from things like cataracts. They protect me from things like macular degeneration. They protect from other kinds of of eye diseases. And one of the things that, as I was reading on the website that it said, it says that they enhance color for sharper contrast and higher definition. And that is absolutely true about my new glasses with the 580G lenses. But then as I was continuing to read, I I found these three words that that really just kind of jumped off the page because it was about the time where Trent called and said, hey man, can you kick off this brand new sermon series we got going on for us uh, in June? I'm gonna be on vacation and uh, we'd just love for you to come to Epic and, and kick off this new series called Clarity. And here's what the website of Costa said about my 580G lenses and my new Costa sunglasses. It said this right here, quote, they provide superior clarity provide superior clarity. And that got me thinking, wouldn't it be nice if life was that way? Wouldn't it be nice if we had some life glasses that had 580G lenses where we could look at a situation that we were confused about and needed clarity on and just said, okay, do I need to want to know who to date? Do I date this person? Or I date this person? Boom, I know you're good, you gotta go. Should I buy this house or this house? Should I live on this side of town or that side of town? Where am I gonna go to college? That's simple, boom. I think I'm gonna go to Gainesville, instead of Tallahassee. Wouldn't it be nice if life worked that way, but we all live in the real world, don't we? And we know that there is no such thing as, as life glasses. So what in the world do my new Father's Day give, my new Costa sunglasses that have 580G lenses, what in the world does that have to do with the book of Colossians? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm gonna answer that question, all right? The little book of Colossians in the New Testament part of our Bible was written by a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul wrote this little letter to help people who were new Christ followers in a city called Colossae, he wrote this little letter to help them gain great clarity about their new faith in Jesus Christ. You see, the people in the church at Colossae uh, needed to be protected from some harmful teachings that had crept into their little church. And just like those 580G lenses in my new sunglasses protect my eyes from things that are harmful to my eyes, this letter was written by the Apostle Paul to protect them from some harmful teachings that had become a part of this group of people who had connected themselves with this little church in this little town called Colossae. And see, that's what clarity does in our life. If there's an area of your life where you need some clarity today, and many of you raised your hand and said, Pastor Brian, there's something in my life where I would like to have some clarity on. There's something in my life where I'm confused about. What clarity does is when you when you get an understanding of what is the right thing to do, what is the best uh, decision to make, when you gain clarity, then it protects you from some harmful things that would maybe lead you down a road that you never imagined or dreamed you would ever go in your life. And what clarity does is provide focus and high definition to the things that really matter in life. So let me give you the big idea for, the, for this series that we're beginning today called Clarity. The big idea that we're gonna build on all week, or all, all month long as we unpack all, cha, all, cha, all four chapters of the book of Colossians, is this idea right here, that God wants me to have clarity in the midst of my confusion. Isn't that good news? God wants us to have clarity in the midst of our confusion. So let me give you a little bit of a backstory about this little letter in the New Testament part of our Bible. It was written, as I said a moment ago, by the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a rock star uh, in the New Testament world, uh, as it relates to the local church. And I don't have time to unpack his story, but basically he was a guy who hated Christians. He did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, and he radically had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. He gained, he gained great clarity for his life about who Jesus is and was, and he committed his life to following Jesus and to sharing the message of Jesus everywhere he went for the rest of his life. And as a result of the Apostle Paul's ministry, this church, this new group of believers in the city of Colossae uh, 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 had begun to Follow after Jesus, but there was another group of people who came along that started to cause some confusion in the church. Uh, Colossae was written around sixty A.D., which is really important because there were people that would have still been alive. Uh, within uh, a generation of when Jesus actually died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, and resurrected from the grave. So this wasn't something that was written generations later or hundreds of years later. There were still eyewitnesses of the resurrection, the message of Christianity that were still alive, and that's one of the reasons why the church exploded on the scene. It's why this little church was having such tremendous uh, uh, growth. And Paul writing this letter uh, to this small group of Christians in the city of Colossae was a big deal. Colossae was located about 100 miles inland from the Mediterranean Sea in the part of the world where we call modern-day Turkey today. And for the Apostle Paul to write a letter to this little church was a big deal. And I can relate to that because I'm from small-town USA. I'm from a little town called Crescent City, Florida. Not Crescent Beach, but Crescent City, Florida. So I'm just curious today, how many of you actually know where Crescent City, Florida is? All right, cool. More people uh, than I thought. There was quite a few folks in the early service that knows where Crescent City is. For those of you that don't know where Crescent City is, if you were to head over to Bunnell, Start out 100, just a couple of miles, and stop and get out of your car and walk out through the swamp in the woods to your left and get in a boat and cross Crescent Lake. You would come smack dab in the middle of downtown Crescent City. There's one stoplight. We've got a Winn-Dixie, a Wendy's, a Handyway, which is a convenience store for those of you who don't know what those are, all right, uh, a Subway, and a Domino's and Ace Hardware, and that's it, about 6,000 people. There are more people in most neighborhoods in Palm Coast than there are in the entire city uh, where I live and and the church where I pastor. So for for the Apostle Paul to write a letter to this little group of Christians in the city of Colossae is something that I could relate to. It would be like Billy Graham writing a letter to Pastor Brian in South Putnam Church in little old Crescent City, Florida. That would be a big deal. And you're like, I know, but Pastor Brian Billy Graham's dead. Yeah, I get that. But if anybody could pull it off, he could pull it off. All right. So so this would be like a big deal for them to get a letter from the Apostle Paul. And what the Apostle Paul does in this little letter, like he does in most of his letters in the New Testament part of our Bible, is he writes to a group of people, uh, most of the time to, to fix something that was broken within the church. How many of you know that there are no perfect churches, okay? All right, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you're jacked up, okay? Um, uh, There are no perfect churches, so the Apostle Paul would write letters to churches to help them understand something that was broken or to give them clarity about some questions that they had about this newfound relationship that they were engaged in with this guy named Jesus. And the confusion that existed in Colossae was something like this. Uh, They were taking a mixture, there was a group of people who were taking a mixture of the Old Testament law system, the thou shalt nots, that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai, that the nation of Israel lived according to for for a long, long time, and they never, ever, ever measured up. They were taking these strict Old Testament laws that nobody could ever keep, and then there was this other group of people who were kind of mixing that with this this Eastern philosophy, which was kind of built on an intellectualism. It was kind of a mind over matter type kind of thing. We would call it Gnosticism in our world today. Uh, The original word for Gnosticism is is Gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S. And it's where we get our English word know, K-N-O-W, and it simply means to know. And there were these group of people who were mixing Old Testament Judaism with this new modern Indo English intellectual philosophy and they were claiming to be in the know. And if you didn't practice and worship the way that they said to practice and worship, then your faith wasn't real and your relationship with God wasn't what God wanted it to be. And this didn't jive with what the apostle Paul had taught the early Christ followers. And, and this was something that they were, they, were, they were confused about. They were teaching things like all matter is evil. If you can feel it, if you can see it, if you can touch it, if you can taste it, it's all bad. And, 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 and the way that you worship God was based on this intellectual, kind out of out-of-body, uh, spiritual uh, encounter or spiritual existence. They were teaching that there's no way this guy named Jesus could be all God and all man at the same time. They were teaching things like angels who were created by God had to be worshiped as gods. And they were teaching that... that you had to build your life on a on a human wisdom or a a secret knowledge, so to speak, that could only be attained by engaging in the rituals that they said were the best practices. And this caused confusion. The only way that I can explain the confusion that existed amongst the Christ followers in the church at Colossae would be much like the confusion that exists in our culture today with politics. Anybody else confused about the political scene in our country today, all right? And I'm not here to debate uh, what, who's right and who's wrong and which side of the aisle you're on and I'm on and that kind of thing. But when you think about it, no wonder we are confused on a culture and a society uh, because Republicans say one thing, Democrats say another. Uh, President Trump and Speaker Pelosi are in a catfight every single day thinking that their way is the best way and nobody's gonna give an inch. Then you got Bernie over here Filling the burn and he's leading the socialist uh, uh, movement and he's got his way of the way he thinks that our nation uh, and our country should go. You got conservatives saying capitalism is the best thing. You got liberals that say we want a green new deal. You got Fox News that wants to put their spin on things. You got CNN that kind of spins the narrative in their way. Then you got the Tea Party who's involved and I I don't know that anybody really understands exactly all that that they have. And, and, And at the End of the day, it just causes a lot of confusion, doesn't it? I mean, how do you know what's best? How do you gain clarity? And what the Apostle Paul does is he tells us right here in Colossians chapter number one, and this is good news for us today, all right? It was good news for the Christians in Colossae, and it's good news for us today. And the Apostle Paul tells us that God wants us to have clarity in our lives. God wants us to have clarity in our lives. Listen to what he says in Colossians chapter one and verse number nine. He says, so we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor And please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. In those two verses right there, the Apostle Paul says, Hey guys, you might be confused about some things that don't line up with the message of Jesus. But here's what I need you to know, okay? God wants you to have great clarity in your relationship with him. God wants you to have great clarity for your life. God wants you to have complete knowledge. God wants you to have spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then he says the result of that is that your lives will honor and please the Lord and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. You see, when we gain clarity for our lives, it helps us to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And I don't know about you, but I want to be who God wants me to be. So why does Colossians matter to us today in 2019? The reason that Colossians matters to us today in 2019 is because what we believe determines how we're going to behave. What we believe determines how we're going to behave. If you're here today and you believe that everybody in your life is out to get you, here's what I can promise you. You're going to live a defeated life. If you're here today and you believe that you'll never measure up and be good enough for God to ever love you and accept you or for a spouse to ever want to spend the rest of their life with you or for a boss to accept you in your position within the company or the organization or whatever kind of relationship it is where you need clarity today, if you believe that you're not, that you're not good enough, here's what I can tell you how you're going to behave. You're going to behave like you're insecure every single day. If you believe that life really doesn't matter and there's no real meaning and purpose to life, then you're gonna get up every day and you're gonna go about life and you're just gonna exist. And you can get real busy making a living that you never, ever, ever make a life. And the Apostle Paul says, God wants you to have clarity for your life. God wants you to have clarity about the things that maybe you are confused about. So in Colossians chapter number one, the Apostle Paul lays a foundation. That's my job today. My job is to, is to lay a foundation for this, this series called Clarity, where we're going to unpack all four chapters of, of the book of Colossians over the next few weeks. And, and my job today is to lay a foundation and help us understand what the Apostle Paul has to say, because everything else that we're going to learn in this little letter is going to build on what the, what the Apostle Paul teaches the church of Colossae in Colossians chapter number one. And I'm gonna give it to you in three words. If you don't hear anything else I say today, church, you don't get anything else out of the message, get these three words right here. It's the foundation for clarity in our life. And here it is, Paul says, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Listen to what he says in verses one through five. Pay attention to the emphasis on Jesus, if you will. He says, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of who? Christ Jesus. And from our brother, Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city of Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God, our Father, give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has revealed, excuse me, reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you heard the truth of the good news. What is the good news? The good news is the gospel message of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. And if my math is correct, in five verses, the Apostle Paul says five times Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for you to have clarity about the questions and the confusion that you have in your life. And then what the Apostle Paul does for the rest of chapter number one is he explains why Jesus is enough. And that's what I want to do for you today. Now I'm not a theologian. I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm just an everyday, average, ordinary guy like you who said yes to Jesus years ago. And I'm on a journey just trying to be everything that God wants me to be. And one of the things I've learned is that there's great value in paying attention to the words of scripture and to to God's word for my life. And I hope that today you will understand why Jesus is enough. First of all, Jesus is enough, the Apostle Paul says, because he is our Savior. Look at what he says in verse number 13. For he, that's God the Father, okay? For God has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son. That's Jesus. And then he says this about Jesus in verse number 14. Who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Paul's saying Jesus, when He died on the cross, purchased our freedom. He, he paid our sin debt when He died on the cross willingly and He forgave our sins. Can I tell you something today, church? And I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Christ. Maybe you showed up today because somebody invited you to church and promised to take you out to lunch. I don't know why you're here today. Okay? Uh, But if you're here today and maybe you're just trying to figure out maybe more about what life is really all about, maybe you're trying to gain some clarity and thought, hey, let me try church. Maybe I can figure some things out by going there. We're glad you're here today. And here's what we want you to know. This is a safe place where you can come and meet Jesus and learn to follow him one step at a time. And why is Jesus important? Because Jesus is the one who died on the cross for your sins. Jesus is the one who paid your sin debt. You know what the Bible says about all of us? The Bible says we are all sinners. Matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, the same guy who wrote the book of Colossians, said this to a local group of believers in the city of Rome. In Romans chapter three, verse 21, he said this, but now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. So he addressed that issue that the Colossians were dealing with in Rome as well. He says there, uh, um, uh, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus, And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. See, God loves us just as we are. And Jesus died for us uh, and, and, and he paid for every single thing we 've ever done: our hurts, our habits, our hang-ups, our faults, our failures. Jesus knew it all. God knew it all. And he said, I still love people enough, and I'm going to make a way for them to have a relationship with me. It says, for everyone has sinned. You know what that means? We're all in the same boat. None of us are perfect. We've all got faults and failures. We're all going to do things that break the heart of God. The Bible says, for all have sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. What does that word freely mean? That means you can't earn it. You can't do enough good stuff uh, to, to get yourself in a right standing. Well, God will accept you. The Bible says it's a free gift. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. Why did Jesus have to be the sacrifice? Because he was perfect. See, you can't take something that's imperfect and cover up something that is imperfect. You can only take that which is perfect and cover up that which is imperfect. That's why the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And he says, for God presented Jesus as the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. You see, sinners need a Savior. And here's what Paul is saying to the church in Colossae. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, if you don't understand the good news of the gospel message, here's what we want you to know. God wants to save you. God wants you in a relationship with him. He goes on to say that not only is Jesus our savior, that he is our creator. Look at what he says in verse number 15 of Colossians chapter number one. He said, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So you want to know what God looks like? You got to look at Jesus. And the Bible gives us a very clear picture of the nature and the character of Jesus Christ, especially in the gospel accounts of his life and in the books of Matthew, Mark and Luke and John. And if you want a good picture of who Jesus is, I would encourage you to pick up a Bible and read the gospel of John and you'll get a really clear picture about who Jesus is. And the Bible says, if you see Jesus, then you know who God is because Jesus is the visible image of the invisible God. God. He goes on to say, He, that's Jesus, existed before anything was created, and He is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones and kingdoms and rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything, Paul says, was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. See, the Bible teaches that creation starts with a creator. And the Apostle Paul is saying, Jesus, being God in the flesh has always been, is today, and always will be. And he created everything that we could ever imagine or dream or anything that we experience in our world. The Bible says Jesus created. All things are created by him and for him. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus is that he's big enough to create everything that we could ever imagine or explore in our world today. But he's personal love that he created me individually. And he's personal enough that he created you individually. Matter of fact, King David in Psalm 139 basically said it this way, and I'm kind of paraphrasing. He said, you knit me together in my mother's womb. You knew everything about me before I was ever born, and and I am wonderfully complex. I am a marvelous creation. The Bible says that Jesus created all things and everybody. So he is our savior. He wants to save us. He is our creator. He made us. And then Paul says this in verse number 18. He is our leader. Look at what he says in verse number 18. Christ also is the head of the church, which is his body. One of the things my daddy taught me, he said, son, we should do some hunting when we were growing up and uh, and that kind of thing. But he said, son, you know what a body is without a head? It's a freak, right? A body without a head is a freak. And, and, and the Bible says that Jesus is the head of the local church. He is the head of the body. He, he is our, our leader. Verse number 19 said, for God Uh, He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. There's that visible image of the invisible God again. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far from God. You are his enemies. You are separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he says, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. You see, when you recognize Jesus as your savior and you receive that eternal free gift of salvation... You realize that he made you wonderfully complex and unique? And all we have to do is look around the room today and see that God loves variety because there are no two people in this room who are identical. Even if you're having an identical twin, there is a difference because you're wonderful and you're complex and Jesus created you. And he is our leader. He is the head of the local church. And in, in the New Testament part of the Bible, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What does that mean? That means the church is here to stay until Jesus comes back. As jacked up as we get it sometimes and as imperfect as it is, it's still the best thing going. And I personally believe like, uh, like Trent and Tim and other leaders that you have here at Epic Church is that the local church is the hope of the world. But the only way church that we're gonna make a difference in other people's lives and the only way we're gonna have uh, an understanding and get clarity for how we live out our faith as we live our lives every single day is if we allow Jesus to be our leader because he is the head of the church. I was saved as a child, <clears throat> uh, but it wasn't until 1992 where I surrendered my life to Christ. Where I said, Lord, all right, I'm tired of trying to live my life my way. I'm tired of trying to figure out what's going to make me happy and what's going to bring me significance and purpose. And God, I'm going to try it your way. And in 1992, I made a conscious decision to put Jesus at the center of my life. Have I got it right all those years later? No. Have I made some mistakes? Absolutely. Have I done some things that have mistreated people? Yes. Have Have I broken the heart of God? Many, many times. But at the end of the day, Jesus is my Savior because He created me and He wants me to follow Him. And when you look at The New Testament narrative of Jesus's life, there are two words that Jesus extends to people everywhere he went. He simply said, follow me. Just follow me. Don't worry about where you're at in life. You don't have to to clean yourself up. You don't have to stop doing anything. Just, Just follow me and let me begin to mold you and shape you to be who I want you to be. And I'll just put all my cards on the table today because I'm the guest speaker. Um, I believe this book to be the source of all clarity for our lives. I believe it's true from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, I believe it's, it's our roadmap for life. I believe this book lines up with the reality of the way life in this world that we live in works. This book has always, always, always pointed me in the right direction. It's often corrected me, too, when I needed correction. But it has never, ever, ever failed to lead me in the right direction. And it has brought great clarity to my life in many times where I needed clarity. Whether that's a decision that I needed to make, whether that's a direction I needed to go, whether that's a relationship I had an opportunity to enter into, this book has given me great clarity since I decided to make Jesus the center of my life. And anybody that can predict his birth, and it happened just exactly like the Bible prophesied that it would happen literally thousands of years before he was born into this world, anybody who could predict his life, anybody who could predict his death, and it happened just exactly like the prophets and, and for, for thousands of years said it was going to happen. And anybody who could predict his burial and predict his resurrection and pull it off, listen to me, church, that's the guy I'm gonna follow. That's the guy I'm gonna trust. That's the guy I want to give me clarity when I'm confused. And Jesus is enough For me. The Apostle Paul closes uh, chapter 1, kind of sums it up in verse 23. And I'm going to make two more points and we're going to be done. He says, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firm in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So what do we do with what we know? Number one, Paul says, you got to continue to believe it. You got to continue to believe it. What he's saying there is you got to stay grounded in what you know, what you've believed, what you've received, and what you've been taught. It's why we gather corporately on Sundays to worship. There's value by showing up at Epic Church every single week. And I don't know about you, but life beats me up six days a week, and I need to start my week on Sunday mornings with my church family. And it's important when you show up at Epic, because what you're doing is you're saying, you know what? I'm continuing to believe. Yeah, life has beat me up. Yeah, I'm a little bit confused about some things I need to decide or a direction I need to go, but I'm going to show up because that's where I need to be. And God's going to give me clarity when I show up. Uh, I would encourage you to, to download the Spiritual Growth Challenge. And go home this week and you open God's word and you let God speak to you and you read your Bible because when you read the Bible, you gain clarity for the confusion that you have in your life. Pray, talk to God, have that conversation with him. If you're not connected in a community group uh, uh, by, by continuing to believe, leave what you've been taught, says, you know what, this adds value to my life. I, I would encourage you to connect in a community group. Stop by the Connection Center, and figure out what ministry team where there's some opportunities where you can plug in and connect. And when you just keep on keeping on doing the things that you know to do. Uh, my dad used to tell me, son, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. And if all you know to do is show up at church or read your Bible or pray or have a conversation with God, serve on a ministry team, get connected in a group. When, when you when you make yourself available to God in that way, that's when God begins to use all that stuff to bring great clarity to your life. And then he says there in the last part of verse 23, he says, you must Continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. What's he talking about there? Man, he's just saying, stand your ground. Don't back down. Don't believe every whim and doctrine that comes along. Uh, those people that, you, that are causing confusion in the church, you need to measure it all with what, with what you know to be true. And stand your ground. Don't back down. Don't give up. Because here's what I can promise you. And most of you raised your hand a moment ago and said there was an area of your life where you need clarity. I can promise you beyond a shadow of a doubt, there are going to be moments in your life where you will experience confusion and disillusionment. That's just part of the culture that we live in. Listen, if you have one of these right here, we're getting pulled in so many different directions 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. And here's what God wants us to know. He wants us to have clarity for our lives. He wants to bring great clarity to our life. And what the Apostle Paul is saying, what Colossians chapter 1, that we're going to build on for the rest of this this particular series, is this right here. Jesus is always enough to provide the clarity that we need in those moments when we're confused and disillusioned. Can I ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to pray for you real quick. And our worship team is going to come back on stage and lead us in one more song. But How many of you would say, Pastor Brian... Um, there's something in my life where I need clarity with, and I'm just asking you, would you pray for me today? Would you just slip your hand up so I can know how to pray for you today? I just wanna know uh, specifically who I'm praying for. Thank you so much for being honest with God and being honest with yourself and being honest with me. I wanna pray for you uh, today because God wants you to have clarity And after I pray, our worship team is going to come lead us in one more song, which I think just kind of wraps it all up beautifully. And I would encourage you to engage in this last song in worship today of the Lord Jesus. So God, I come to you today. And I lift up every single person who raised their hand a moment ago. God, I don't know their heart. I don't know their life. Um, But Lord, you know all of our lives. And God, you have said that you want us to have clarity So whatever that area is in their life where they need clarity today, God, I pray that today, through your might, your power, your strength, through your spirit, that, God, you would begin to bring great clarity to every single person who raised their hand a moment ago, whatever the situation is. Lord, meet them today right where they're at and show them more of who you are. and prove yourself to be faithful to them, and we'll give you all the honor and glory and praise that you deserve. For it's all these things we pray and ask in your name. Amen.